0: Hi, this is James Rudd, and thanks for joining me for this episode of the Heart Podcast. This is another one recorded live at the British Cardiovascular Meeting in Manchester, and today I have a great conversation with Dr. Claire Coyle, Dr. Ashley Nisbet, and Dr. Sarah Hudson, who joined me to talk about Cardiology in Focus, which is a relatively new section of the Heart Journal. They talk about the motivation and the kind of articles we can expect to see in there, ranging from experiences of trainees in the uk how to get into research ai and cardiology and we also have a discussion about how we can improve the working lives of trainees in cardiology and some practical real steps that have been taken in a few areas of the uk uh, in order to do that and we hear how that's been very successful i hope you enjoyed the podcast Perhaps I can uh, start by asking you all to introduce yourselves for the members of the HEART podcast audience. Tell everybody who you are and where you work. I'll start with you, Sarah.
1: Hello, my name's Sarah Hudson. I'm a cardiology registrar in Seven, and I'm one of the cardiology and focus editors for HEART.
2: Hi, I'm Claire Coyle. I'm a cardiology ST4 uh, at the Hammersmith Hospital. Uh, I'm one of the section editors with Sarah and Victoria uh,
3: on cardiology and focus in HEART. And I'm Ashley Nisbet, I'm a consultant, cardiologist and electrophysiologist in the Bristol Heart Institute and I'm the education lead and specialty tutor for Severn
0: So thanks ever so much for joining me, all of you today. I thought we'd uh, discuss a couple of things. Um, A couple of you have been pioneers in trying to improve junior doctors' lives and trainees' lives in cardiology and also a couple of you have been instrumental in starting a really successful series called Cardiology in Focus in Heart, uh, which is aimed particularly at trainees, but I must say I also enjoy the things that you've been publishing as well. Perhaps we can start with you, Sarah, talking a little bit about Cardiology in Focus and what the kind of idea behind it was and the kind of articles that have already come out.
1: Uh, so Cardiology in Focus aims to be a very succinct section, which is quick to read and aimed predominantly at cardiology trainees and probably early year consultants to cover areas of cardiology that aren't well covered uh, in other places. So rather than education in heart, which is very much focused on the clinical side of things, cardiology in focus aims to cover things that people want to know about, um, but there's not necessarily another obvious source for them. So this is things like uh, advice on unusual career paths, um, discussion about how to pass exams, um, ideas on how to improve your training. It's all the articles that we as educators would like to be able to read, but we hadn't found anywhere else. So yeah, we've been lucky enough to have a mandate to ask interesting people to write the, uh, ed- the articles we'd like to read.
0: Can you give us a couple of examples of ones that have been published so far?
1: Um, So we had a series of two articles about the European exam in general cardiology, which were very useful for both trainees and for consultants to support trainees through those exams because it's something that everyone in the UK who's doing cardiology training has to sit, but there's not a great deal of information about it. Um, We've had uh, short articles about the BSIS database, so those that aren't doing intervention have an idea about what that is. We've had articles about artificial intelligence in cardiology, um, about simulation training in cardiology, and we've got some articles coming up covering some other interesting topics that we're really looking forward to.
0: Okay, maybe we'll speak to Claire a little bit about that. Claire, can you tell me about a couple of articles that you've found particularly interesting or that you've been involved with uh, putting together?
2: Yeah so to start off my involvement in cardiology and focus um, I wrote an article with one of my team looking at the reasons why people may or may not choose to go in cardiology and um, that's particularly interesting for us as junior cardiologists as we'd obviously recently had to make those decisions as to whether we wanted to undertake cardiology training um, and I think we're particularly interested at encouraging people that might not currently be represented in cardiology to consider it uh, and only by finding out what might be putting people off can we perhaps change the mix of cardiologists of the future. Um, So that was one that was particularly close to our hearts and very interesting to uh, research.
0: And what would you say is the most attractive or least attractive things about cardiology? Why should people listening to this podcast consider it uh, as a specialty?
2: Uh, I think from a personal point of view, I think it's fascinating. Um, I know you're only dealing technically with one organ, but it's part of Um, a system, the cardiovascular system, so anything that affects the heart can affect a multitude of other organs, Um, and then even just looking at the heart, you've got all the uh, electrical function, the vascular function, uh, really exciting imaging uh, techniques, Uh, and I feel like it's a, a specialty that's continually evolving, and there's always something exciting on the horizon.
0: Yeah, there's lots of niches you can find, aren't there, For all the way from prevention, I guess, to EP, intervention. Uh, and then if you want to go down a more academic career, I know you're about to start a PhD, you were telling me.
2: Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, I'm one of the uh, academic clinical fellows uh, at the Hammersfield Hospital, um, which has let me have t- dedicated time to do some research, which has been really enjoyable. and uh, sort of paved the way to hopefully starting a PhD early next year. And actually one of the articles uh, sort of in publication at the moment is one of my clinical colleagues looking at how non-academic trainees might get into research um, and the best pathways to consider for that.
0: Anything you'd like to share about that, That, uh, like a teaser of that coming up, or is it, <laughs> is it still in preparation?
2: Uh, no, so it's been submitted. Um, I think the key thing was not to be scared, actually. Uh, I think uh, we ho- obviously ho- hold uh, academics in high esteem, and they're the people you see um, at conferences presenting their very interesting research. Um, and it can be quite difficult when you're starting out to have the confidence to break into that and meet these very impressive people. Uh, so I think the key thing was just to find an area that you're interested in, uh, and by and large, these professors, you know, want people to be involved uh, and are very enthusiastic to meet young trainees that have an interest in their field.
0: Mm, absolutely, yeah, I, I echo those those uh, those findings definitely. As a as an academic uh, person who's always looking for interested uh, trainees to come along and do some research, um, Shall we talk a little bit about training and the state of training in in UK cardiology? Um, Things have changed over the last few years, it's fair to say, uh, particularly for junior doctors before they enter training in terms of the the structure of training. And there have been some problems, real problems in terms of losing uh, good junior doctors before they even get to the cardiology training stage. I mean, Ashley, would you like to talk a little bit about that? The changes that have happened and some of the negative, uh, unforeseen, perhaps, consequences uh, that have occurred over the last few years?
3: Yeah, so um, we've we've seen a, a real decline in the number of people applying for cardiology training over the years, and uh, with that has come particularly a real decline in the number of female um, core trainees that are entering into cardiology. And unfortunately, um, you know, even those who are already in training programs are finding that their experience in in the training programs has been less than ideal. And I think that comes from the pressures of the NHS and the pressures of rotas that people are having to staff. And so I took over as the lead for education in the Severn um, Deanery, particularly in the Bristol Heart Institute about a year ago. And in that position, I sort of inherited that immediately after a very... Um, very poor GMC survey result for Bristol Heart Institute so I inherited a real problem and I looked to see how I could change that to improve the experience of our trainees particularly, because really we have first-class cardiology services um, in the Bristol Heart Institute that people can benefit from in terms of training opportunities. And so it was really disappointing to find that people were feeling that um, we were failing them on those training opportunities, not necessarily because they weren't getting the the opportunities to, to train, but because they felt that they weren't being supported in many ways. Um, so one of the first things that that I took on myself was to formulate a, a more supportive environment for those individuals. And actually, um, one of the main concerns has always been the fact that we just don't simply have enough registrars to to staff our rota's. So we've been looking to employ trainees from overseas in fact in many cases that can fill clinical fellow roles and these are excellent experienced cardiology trainees who are working in other countries who want to have some experience in the UK and they've been valuable in terms of actually staffing our cardiology rotas and we've just you know lobbied management to let them know that we simply have these gaps we need to fund these positions because we can't expect our trainees to continually fill gaps in the rotas because they're getting really tired and worn out Um, And so that has been very successful and hopefully will continue to be successful. Um, One of the other concerns is that there was a lack of a formal education programme within the Bristol Heart Institute. And although there was a journal club that was run once a week pretty much by the registrars, for the registrars and the core trainees, it wasn't very well structured I felt that we were lacking an opportunity to share learning amongst the subspecialists that work within the Bristol Heart Institute. So we changed that to being a more formal cardiology grand rounds format where we have consultant speakers every month that come in and and basically educate us on their areas of expertise. And that's been opened up to nurses, junior doctors, and in fact the foundation program now recognize that as part of their CME On top of that, um, I personally run a a a once-a-month educational session purely for ECG interpretation, which is what many people find really scary in cardiology. And that, again, is open to nurses and junior doctors. And that's been met with some real positive feedback And then in the remaining couple of weeks in the month we also still give the opportunities to the registrars and the junior doctors to come and present cases or present an audit that they've been doing or to present a paper that they're interested in so that they're still getting that experience of of presenting and I think that's really important. Um, With that comes the need to facilitate quality improvement projects and audits, which is actually quite difficult in the height of a busy rota to be able to take the time to do what is essentially a a necessary part of your ARCP um, requirements. So one of our um, clinical fellows has taken it upon himself with my support to create a group, um, a research group, where um, junior doctors and registrars can be involved in as many or as few projects as they like. So they have a number of ideas and they they basically divide the work between a group of, of junior doctors. They go off, they collect the data, they bring it back to the meeting and they've written some excellent abstracts that have been accepted here, including one of our abstracts, which is in the best of the best category here at BCS this year. So that has been, again, really positive. Um, aside from all of that, I think what's really important is that the registrars know that they're supported by consultant colleagues. And so in my role, I um, meet with the registrars once a month, really for them to have the opportunity to air their concerns, to let me know of any difficulties, any potential problems with staffing, um, so that I can be their advocate to the consultant body and also to management um, to facilitate cover when there's absences and and also just general concerns about access to clinics or lists or anything else that may be becoming an issue um, I think that what's also important is that trainees know that we will support them when it comes to um, them requesting less than full-time training. Um, What was really interesting in the women in cardiology meeting this morning is that actually um, those who are in less than full-time training feel that they are very well supported while they're in less than full-time training and con uh, conversely the individuals who are not in less than full-time training their perception is that if they were to ask for it it wouldn't be supported so i think it's just making people aware that actually everyone's um much more open to work-life balance nowadays and uh, you know even within the consultant body everybody is looking for more flexibility in our working hours um and so we we are very much going to support that if somebody comes to us and tells us that that's what they want to do um, and it's not for them to be concerned about how we'll cover gaps in the rota because that is a job for myself and for the management to uh, team to accommodate and um, so I think there's a lot that we can do that really helps to improve the life of registrars and I think more than anything else it's just being aware that these um, registrars are our colleagues and they're going to be our colleagues in the future and we want to retain them in their jobs and we want them to be happy.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a, a fabulous advert for your neck of the woods. I think you're going to have yeah. trainee applications yes. transfers <laughs> coming up over the next few weeks when this comes out, but I'm assuming that the feedback has is, is massively improved since those things.
1: I haven't heard things.
3: this year yet. Um, uh, the GMC survey results aren't aren't out yet. I'm hoping that the feedback
1: is much more positive after after the changes that we've made.
0: And Sarah, what kind of initiatives have you been involved with?
1: Uh, So at a registrar level, uh, along with Ashley, we've been organising the regional training programme. We've looked at the curriculum and then we've taken to map it so that we cover all of the cardiology curriculum over a two-year rolling cycle so that registrars don't have to hunt around for external sources of um, training in different areas that are harder to cover. And with an adjacent deanery, because we've always worked Seven and Peninsula together, we've split our training to allow us to have a training program one week and the other deanery to do one the following week, which means if registrars are on call for one, yes, they'd have to cover, but there's the option of attending the other because there's nothing more demoralizing as a registrar than to not be able to go to training programs because you're on call and then at your ARCP being told, well, you haven't done, gone to enough when actually that was entirely beyond your control. So we've now put something in place so that that shouldn't be an issue in the future. Um, From my point of view of uh, SHO level trainees, I've been working at North Bristol at Southmead Hospital and I've been very keen to make their experience better because I think that this is how we encourage people to stay in medicine, is by improving their experience early on, by treating them as human beings rather than it's just something, that a, a line and a rotor. Um, and I've approached that by thinking about three things. The first being balance. So I've made a rotor that makes it as easy as possible for trainees to actually request annual leave because it's very important to have that time away um, and responded to requests as quickly as possible, which doesn't happen in all locations. Um, the second thing is removing unnecessary stress. because if there's something that has to be achieved and it's part of their training program and it doesn't take much effort for us to facilitate that happening, easily it makes sense for that to be facilitated rather than for everyone to have to be battling to do something that they have to do because that's when people get worn down they don't have the energy to do other things because they're just trying to do the basics and a good example of this is clinics mm-hmm. um, clinic requirements for core trainees and now imt trainees has increased exponentially from 24 over two years to 40 over two years to now 80 over three years and yes, there's a challenge in, in providing those clinics, but they have to attend them, so there needs to be a way of putting them in a rotor so they can. And things like DC cardioversions, we can facilitate attendance at, at those, which means they can tick that off from their curriculum without it being an unnecessary stress again. Um, and the final area is really interest. Everyone wants to enjoy their job, it's not just about turning up and doing the discharge summaries. It's also about having sort of additional learning experiences. So we have a breakfast club where we cover more interesting parts of cardiology and we make sure that all our F1s and SHOs get to go to the cath lab so they actually get to see what happens in cardiology off the ward. They all get to go and see an echo list. They get to go and see some MPI. So again, it's things that encourage people to see the bigger picture, Mm -hmm. to see that there's something worth doing in the future and hopefully encouraging more people to choose cardiology in the future. Mm -hmm
0: well again that sounds amazing and a, a brilliant advert for like well, it sounds like small changes but they make a big difference to, to people's lives
1: absolutely none of this is revolutionary none of this is that exciting none of it has required much money it's all just basic things and if we can start doing the basic things well um i think we would be going a long way towards improving people's working lives and medicine
0: brilliant well i think on that note uh, we will say thank you very much to all of you for joining me today